One of the best things about finishing a great book is knowing that you have another one ready to go in your to be read pile. With Book of the Month, you can make sure that your to be read pile stays stocked and ready to go. Each month, you can use the app to select from five to seven titles vetted and curated by the team at Book of the Month, focusing specifically on debut authors and early releases. If you can't choose just one, you can always upgrade and add more from your selection. And if that TBR pile starts to get a little too tall, you can skip as many months as you need to give yourself a little extra time to catch up on what you have. Personally, I am a huge fan of suspense and psychological thrillers, so I was very excited to see multiple books on the selection list for May that fit that description. I selected two different titles, both of which are set in Washington State, just like our favorite show, Grey's Anatomy. I thoroughly enjoyed The Return of Ellie Black, the first thriller novel from Amiko Jean, and have Middle Tide by Sarah Crouch ready to read on my road trip next week. Right now, you can sign up for Book of the Month and use code PEDALS to get your first book for only $5. That's code PEDALS, P-E-T-A-L-S, to get your first book for only $5. Watch out for that blue box at your door and get your TBR pile stocked and ready. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Gray's Academy. I am Kelsey. And I am Carmen, and it is a beautiful day to podcast. Yay, welcome back. Carmen, how are you enjoying your five episodes so far? No no spoilies, just general overview so far. No spoilies. Uh, I got to tell you, I'm having a good time. I, <laughs> I was, I was actually... It. I was actually at the doctor's office today, and I, I mentioned to the doctor that I'm kind of a professional. I've, I've Something had come up, and I said, doctor, it's okay. I'm a professional. I've seen five episodes of Grey's Anatomy. And, uh, yeah, and she, she handed like you idiot. her stethoscope on the spot. She said, yeah. <laughs> great, I've got things to do. You can take over. She actually said, are, wait, are you the co-host of Grey's Academy? Because that's my favorite podcast. Wow. National and then she said, I've left you a five-star review, and I've told all my friends about it. So basically, anyone listening to this should do the same. Oh, that's a good idea. We, they should. Listeners, yeah. take note. Um, so today, I, yes. I was just saying, can I just say, I'm not going to spoil it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give way more in-depth notes, because this is the most notes that I've taken. Oh, really? Interesting. I'm excited. This was my, this was my favorite episode so far. Oh, Yay! Okay. Yeah. I also so have listen many along. things to say about it, but I don't think I took as many notes. But uh but okay, let's let's jump right in. All right. Episode five. Shake your groove thing. Shake a groove thing. 
thing, shake your groove thing, Shimon. There you go. All right. And do you know who sings it? Peaches and herb? Peaches herbs. and cream? Peaches and herbs. herbs. What an odd yes. name. But yes, that Peaches is and correct. Herb. It's the exact song you're all thinking of when you say shake your groove thing. And that song Carmen just sang. So, Carmen, what are your thoughts on the title of the song and the title of the episode? Uh, very fitting, especially when you get to the end. With all the parties. <laughs> yeah. I was really hoping that at that party they were playing that song. Missed opportunity. I know. I like keep, I'm trying to, I'm sure at some point they play the name of the song that's the title in the song or in the episode. I'm certain it has to happen. In 18 season, it's had to have happened at some point. So I'm like very like on high alert listening for it at every episode. It hasn't happened yet. So we'll see. Uh, when when or if it ever actually does yeah well i i i think it's also it would just be fine to just start the episode they start episode with music every time like just start it with the song well i mean maybe sometimes they just like the title of the song and it's not in the in the vibe of the episode you know what i'm saying yeah i get it maybe we'll find it we'll find out at some point okay so, this episode aired April 24th, 2005 to 17.9 million viewers, so kind of holding strong right around right under the 18 million. So, but you know, in 2005 for live television, you know, before anyone was DVRing and TiVoing stuff, that's pretty good. That is pretty fantastic. Um, this episode was directed by John David Coles, who has directed many things, um, notably Sex and the City, Law and Order, West Wing, Desperate Housewives, Homeland, and House of Cards, for which he was nominated for multiple awards. So he's very busy. Um, This is the only episode of Grey's Anatomy he directed, I believe. Or he may have done two. One or two. It was a very small number. Interesting. Um, This episode is another one that was not written only by Shonda. It was written also by Anne Hamilton, who um, has done some writing, but has more um, credits as a producer. And sh- in addition to helping write this episode, she was also a producer on Grey's Anatomy for a while. Is not currently, but was um, ver- for the early seasons. And I believe won an Emmy for her- the time frame she was producing on the show got an Emmy, I think. So good for her. Good for her. Um, okay. So let's see. What does Netflix say happened in this episode? I still don't know. <laughs> Let's learn together. Meredith believes she may have erred during surgery and endangered her career. And Izzy tries to throw a party for her new boyfriend. I already have an issue with this. At no point do they say Izzy's boyfriend is new. He's just new to us. I don't think he's new to her. Yeah, it sounds like they've been together for a while yeah. doing some long-distance shenanigans. That absolutely is what it seems like. So that's my main qualm with that description because they never say it's her new boyfriend it's just new to us the audience i will say i I, i'm glad that they included multiple plots because i feel like they've under (laughs) under delivered on the plot lines for those these last couple of synapses yes i agree pretty much all the other ones are just one single plot line which the show pretty regularly has multiple plot lines going on as most shows do so all righty so let's begin. We open. We open. Meredith is sleepy. I, too, am sleepy. She is complaining about being an adult. 
I too and think being an adult is difficult. So I, right <laughs> off the bat, am agreeing with everything that's happening. I'm sleepy. Being an adult is hard. Well, she said at one point, like, remember when you could have cookies as a kid for breakfast? And I was like, yes. you mean today when I woke up and I had <laughs> cookies for breakfast? Because I still do that. Yeah. Yeah. But you didn't have to pay bills. so <laughs> I paid bills yesterday. Yes, but as a child. Oh, as a child, right, right. Yes. Also, it's does she right off the bat, because I, I made a note of this somewhere, but did she right off the bat said that she was up 48 hours straight, or was that... Yes, she said it immediately. She goes, I haven't slept in 48 hours, and I could do heart surgery today. And I was like, that's a terrible combination. I don't... Oh, yeah. If I have to have heart surgery, I would like you to be rested. It makes you rethink the entire medical system, especially this episode. Just totally, I will say you know. that's true. But I will say, at, and at some point during the show, they address this. They're like, the way that hours are monitored for, um, especially like interns and residents, like shifts during, like the way the medical community as a whole does it, shifts. And I assume they did that because it's true in real life, but I also might be wrong. Um, and it, they switch their shift lengths to not be 48 hours to be 24 hours. And then they have, they like are forced to not be at the hospital for like a specific amount of time. I'm pretty sure at least in the show that happens. I don't know if that's real life. I would love that it should be real life because again, if I am having any surgery, I want you to be well rested. Yeah. And there's something about, you know, the adrenaline that kicks in, but I think the adrenaline can only take you so far. And as we see in a little bit, that adrenaline can wear off. Right. But I was confused because she's holding the heart in her hand, which I think would be a pretty big deal. And you would think that would be when the adrenaline would kick in. But she's falling asleep. I don't know. I mean, I have fallen asleep doing many things before, so I, I understand a little bit. Well, you got to think that it, your, your, her body would have had to be starting to relax because it's, it was right at the end of the surgery. Yeah. Maybe. It's like that that old saying of like ninety percent act of the accidents happen in your last two miles or one yeah, mile of like your trip in your neighborhood or whatever. Yeah, um, but okay. Before before we get into the surgery thing, there's this whole power of attorney scene. Yes. Can you imagine having power of attorney for your parents? Um, no, or anyone, <laughs> and I don't want to. I don't want to make. I have hard enough times making decisions for myself, and I I am. In a lot of ways, in a lot of scenarios, very decisive. And in a lot of scenarios, very undecisive because I am a complex lady. So I can uh, confirm. Yeah, I think it's it's also hard because typically I do think power of attorney is given to like a spouse or a child or a relative. And I just think like that's hard because you would have a lot of emotions involved. Right. You would I would want someone who could be just like really almost black and white about it and be really like, these are the facts. These are the odds. This is X, Y, and Z. This is what you should do. But it's just like when emotions get involved, it's just so, so tricky. So. Well, it's also to you, no matter what, you're never going to know what's best for that person better than that person. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what, no matter how well I know Jess. Right. Or care so deeply about Jess, I'm still not going to be able to make the exact same decision in certain scenarios that she would. Right. And that's why you also have to have the living will. Right. It's like, right. If X happens, then you need to do Y. Um, we did talk about that, though. Yes, I mean, with we've, obviously we've the talked baby about coming. it also. And we, yeah. yeah, we really have to 
sit down and make all the legal papers legal so that other people don't have to wonder because we talk about it at length with each other i'm like well if something happens to both of us it's a mystery to everyone else so right right um, well i understand that we would be raising scarlet as our own right 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 um also what would be difficult is obviously not in the scenario with meredith but if you're a child and you're the power of attorney and you have siblings i've known multiple situations where people are had that happen and the sibling like the one whose power of attorney is trying to honor what the person wants but the siblings are like fighting because it's not what they want or they're not ready to like move on or let go or whatnot. So it's definitely a tricky situation. And um, I feel for anyone who has in, has been in it or isn't in it. And I hope that everyone just doesn't have to make hard decisions in life. <laughs> but that's yeah, unrealistic. I just hope that everyone remains healthy and lives forever. But we, we come back to the power of attorney scenes a little bit later. So yes. Where so this this jumps into that that heart surgery scene mm-hmm. after that yes. I think. Yes, yeah, so we're holding the heart. We're sleepy. We're falling asleep, and then she doesn't notice the glove, the hole in the glove, until after they start to close. So I guess she's the thought is when she kind of slips and squeezes the heart. When she squeezed, the nail punctured the glove. That's the thought process, but they don't really show it until a little bit later. Yeah, in in my head, you probably should have said something in that moment because I also didn't understand. In in when I saw that the glove had ripped, I was like, "What? What's the big deal? I don't understand." Right. Later on in the episode, it makes sense. I understand, but I I spent half the episode going, "Who cares? Like, are you yes. going to get an infection? <laughs> yeah. What's the deal?" Yes. Um, and then okay, so they start talking about Izzy's gonna. Though this party, she has an out-of-town boyfriend. First, again, first time we're hearing about it, but it's established. It's canon now. She has a boyfriend. He's a hockey player. Um, And then I said, hole in the glove. May have been worth mentioning? Probably. I I think I said, okay, so also on, on the scene, on the scene of that, the heart stopped beating at one point, and they were just flicking the heart. Like, just, yeah. come on. You got this. That's so like, they, again. I'm not a doctor, so most of my doctoring expertise comes from medical shows, namely Grey's Anatomy, also Doctor House. There's less surgery on Doctor House, but very oftentimes when they show heart surgery, like when they bring a person off of a bypass, there's like they give the heart a few minutes to like, I mean not a few minutes, but a, a chunk of time to kind of start beating on its own because they need to know that it can. Like that's the whole point. They need to know that it can beat on its own and sometimes it takes a minute and they'll like they don't automatically jump to the paddles every time but so sometimes they'll they'll just be like come on come on little buddy start on up come on little buddy yeah (laughs) which i thought was kind of hilarious because like oh look at that cute little heart go yeah just Um, just like a little baby come on little buddy yeah but the the note that i said specifically after that uh which i did think that was funny i and then i all caps damn she ripped her glove and shit that's wild, and they don't want to tell her. Nah, that's bogus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, I'm <laughs> like I'm like putting told. my entire stream of consciousness <laughs> into these notes. <laughs> yeah, it's um, a good time. So then, okay, so then we go to George. You know what? Everyone was likable in this episode. I truly, there were like small moments where I was like a little annoyed with people, but like George was better. Alex was better. Like everyone, Izzy was better. I was like, man, no one's annoying me this episode. This is nice. No one is annoying. Everyone is way more likable, which, you know, you like to see because 
especially when you look at Alex. At this point, we've we've been given no reason to like him. And we're five episodes in, so you gotta think, okay, how many episodes can they make you dislike him before it's impossible to recover from? So we get right. to five, we get a little bit of backstory, we get a little bit of humanity from him. It's nice. There's nothing, there's no like strings attached, it seems, as of right now. So um so yes, we're with George. So I wrote in all caps, don't smoke. It's twenty twenty. 2021 yeah we know yeah. it's not good for you please don't do it we just want you all to live forever and not have to give power of attorney to someone else exactly um, also to to your point can i just say in, in these notes i wrote both i just don't like alex like at all and i wrote something nice about alex yeah. all in the same note in the same episode yeah i have similar things um so we I wrote, yeah, I wrote right here. Wait, Alex isn't being the worst. What a time. How long will it last? Um, because when they first introduce the the guy who's clearly a drug addict, um, and Alex, he, it's kind of the first time we see him just relaying patient facts and not making jokes or, like, being an ass about it. He's just kind of saying, like, these, this is what it is. Like, clearly he's an addict, and he does get frustrated when... Um, McDreamy tells him that he still has to give the guy pain meds. He gets frustrated and, as we learn later, doesn't do it initially. But he, at like at the first conversation of the diagnosis, it's really just like, look, I I can be normal. Yeah, and it it was interesting too. Uh, I I had wrote I had written that you want to even if it is a junkie erring on the side of caution. That is the line in the sand that I don't think that I could handle as a doctor. Yeah. Like saying, okay, I see that you're a junkie. I see that you are very addicted to pain meds, but I still have to treat you. That, right. I, I don't think I could do that. And it was actually, yeah, it was kind of that human moment for Alex that I, I appreciated. Um, but that that uh, that guy by the end of the episode, I, I for sure hate that guy. That guy sucks. It's definitely difficult. Um there's there's a lot of debate in in the world in general and in the medical world about addiction and whether it's a disease or a choice and it is i i think what's important to remember is that Derek said yes he's an addict but he's also in pain so we still have to treat him and they do you know they're like oh here are rehabs and then at the end ultimately they bring the lady in to talk about rehabs and moving forward um but yeah there's actually like truly a bunch of documentaries being released right now about um like opioid and the opioid epidemic and and the responsibility of the medical community and pharmas like big pharma and the people making these medications and like what level of responsibility they have so it's definitely debated heavily in many many areas so the the next patient which i actually credit the reason i like george to this patient. Right. She was in Scrubs. Yes. Played the exact same style <laughs> of character. The yeah. sweet old lady. Yep. And also, George is just the Grey's Anatomy version of JD. I've come to the conclusion. Yeah. But George is way less competent and way less likable. Right. At this uh, point. At this point. But actually, George George had a good episode. It was just funny, him running around the hospital. You have to clear it with Meredith. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I actually enjoyed his character this episode. But so... Uh, in Scrubs, her name was uh, Mrs. Tanner. 
and mm-hmm. she had multiple episodes of the course uh, from 2001 to 2009. And she kept telling him, like, hey, go live your life. Like, hey, this is fine. Hey, go travel, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so it was just funny to see her play basically like the exact same kind of patient, just with yeah. less words, and be that for George. So, yeah. So I looked at this lady because she's been in a million things, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, her name is Catherine Jostin. She did pass away in 2012. Um, Rest in peace. Two of her most notable roles were Desperate Housewives and The West Wing, which is interesting. I took note of that because the guy who directed this directed multiple episodes of West Wing and Desperate Housewives. So I just like thought that was interesting. And oh, I wondered wow. If that was like maybe he like had suggested her or because like if he had a working history with her and like knew she was like talented professional maybe he suggests or it could have been a coincidence she really has done like so much work in hollywood though like if you pull up her imdb page it's kind of one of those like quote unquote those guys where you're like oh that guy that's in everything like she's fits into that category for sure um so yes i did because i i have seen her in a lot of other things and i thought that she would maybe be in other shonda shows but she's actually not well while i do know her from a lot of things this is the only shonda show she ever actually did so that's interesting. Also, I didn't know that she died. That's super sad. Well, yes, but this episode is from 2005, and she was not super young in it. So No, but you got to think. Not I mean, that's only... wildly surprising. Yeah, but she didn't strike me as someone who was, you know, knocking at death's door no, back in 2005. No, she lived seven years after this episode. Yeah, but she could have <laughs> lived another... Of years. That's fine, I guess. I just um, expect everyone at this point in time to live to be 150. Mm, that sounds terrible. well but science will make it feel like 150 years old is more like your 70s that's what i'm assuming um okay so uh to her point the the point of the patient everyone's just assuming that she's having these issues because she's a smoker but she quit smoking after the last surgery that she had and george is like what are you talking about we saw the x-rays like clearly you're still a smoker doesn't believe it so then we learn the realities well, we'll, get before, we'll get there. Before, before we, we jump, get into yes. there. I did write, George is very good with patience. Yes, he is very good bedside manner. I'd give him a 10 out of 10 for that. And then we get... Oh, hold on. What's your next note? You go first. Okay, it's it's the Burke and okay. Christina shit. Okay, Yay! I gotta tell you. I if You've all seen this episode. I was on a roller fucking coaster. <laughs> I wrote... So okay. So remember last episode, how I, I said do. that moment in the hallway was sexual? I knew it. I you knew didn't it. say I sexual. Fucking... You just said awkward. And that's no. because, no. No. We literally no, no. have it recorded. You didn't say sexual. You only said awkward and weird. Because it took everything in me to not be like, oh, it was it was sexual tension. No, no. I, I could have sworn. Because my note said there was sexual tension there. That Maybe might I be didn't... true, but you didn't say it. Because okay. I would have probably burst at the seams had you said it. <laughs> Okay, I the second I saw that in the last episode, I saw I was like, oh, they're gonna fuck. And then he brings her the coffee, and then I was like, yo, he. I, hold on, my exact notes, all caps. Does Burke like Christina with a thousand question marks and a thousand exclamation points? O M M M G G G. Lots of fucking G's. I knew that last episode look was fucking sexual. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Fuck. Yes. I knew it. But then later on, I'm like, oh, okay, apparently it wasn't. Was he trying to silence her with coffee? But then, okay, so anyways, we're getting ahead of ourselves. That was my note, but I was so jazzed. I was so my happy. My note is a bunch of the big eye look like 
this emoji, right? <laughs> a bunch of those, and then Burke, Christina, hello. Because I knew it was the first season, but I couldn't remember when. And so when you said it last episode, I was like, mm, I don't know. So Arr. I'm so glad. Because I didn't, I truly wanted it to be like a surprise. Because it if was. You, if you watch that moment, especially now, like knowing that, it, you can definitely see the sexual tension. But truly, like, if you watch that blind, you're like, oh, that's kind of a weird moment, which is what you said. So it's so interesting. Um, so yay, I love that. So I'm so excited that we can begin this part of our journey together because yes, uh, it's part of some of one of my favorite parts. So I love Isaiah Washington. I love Sandra O. Oh, I love Christina and Burke. It's perfect. I will say though, if Christina ever gives Meredith a hard time about sleeping with your boss again, <laughs> she is a hypocrite asshole. Okay, noted. Yes, I'm going on the record. <laughs> But um, then we get to the towel and the lung yes, shit. Yes, then we're in the towel. And I wrote, wow, it's crowded in there. Because I don't think they're in a true surgery suite because they're just doing originally like a catheter or scope surgery. So I don't think it's like the full operating room. I think it's just like a little outpatient thing. So then it just looked really crowded to me because I don't think that's typically where a surgery would occur. So I was like, wow, that's just a lot of people right on top of that little open woman. It's like just going to your bedroom and doing a surgery real quick. Exactly. And then I wrote, oh, my God, I totally forgot about this because I really did forget that there's a towel in that lady. But I totally in, forgot in about the, that storyline. In the camera, though, it doesn't look like a towel. It looks like there's like a sludge or something. Yeah, because it's been so, in her body for five yeah. years. Yeah. But I was also confused in the beginning. I thought that they were pulling that out of her lungs. It was underneath or yeah, it, was it was behind? Yeah, it was like behind her lungs. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was unclear on that. Immediately, but as the episode grew, I was I was more clear on that. Yes, and then I wrote, "Dr. Bailey is the best." Yeah, because <laughs> am I invited to the party? Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then she was, then George was like, "What did you want me to say?" And Chrissy just goes, "Ugh." <laughs> hey, when she shows up to the party, though, she looks hot. She looks so good. I wrote that. I said, "Dr. Bailey is a fancy lady." Um. And then I said, and Alex is being the worst again. That did not last very long because yeah, that's when yeah. he was like, well, I'm not going to give him the medicine, even though you, my direct superior, told me to do that. Um, Before we get to that point, though, the I think Christina finds the old file. Oh, OK. I had that next because I wrote oh, that okay. it's a Maybe very it's small order. room to have all the files. Yeah. So, OK, <laughs> maybe maybe it was out of order because I have. A couple steps down, I just don't like Alex, period, like at all. Um, so maybe it was out of order. There was something or there probably Alex did something that you didn't like a little later. <laughs> it's yeah, also a fair. very real possibility. I When I first saw that, I thought that it might have been Dr. Bailey or Dr. Weber. It did not even occur to me that it was Dr. Burke. Right. Yeah, because he's not like involved in it at that point. Um, yeah. But... As far as storyline plot lines go, you know, it lines up pretty nicely, which is it's almost like it was written that way. But um, it lines up nicely. It's a nice parallel to what else is happening in Dr. Burke's career currently. Yeah. But yeah, I wrote Dr. Burke was the fellow because it says surgical fellow, Dr. Burke, but not the surgeon. So the way they portray it a lot of times in this show is even if the fellow is doing the surgery or the resident is doing the surgery or an intern is doing the surgery, the surgeon on the name whose name is on the case is the one that is supposed to take the fall basically because they're supposed to be monitoring, watching, teaching, making sure 
everything is going as it needs to go, basically. So it's, I mean, obviously he would still have been involved, clearly, but he was not the surgeon on it. I'm like, it to me, it was just confusing as to why they're saying, like, why does he need to, why even make him a fellow if you're going to then tell the story as though he is the surgeon on the case? I just right. thought it was kind of an odd story point to not just make him be the main surgeon on it. I guess other than to be like, in my learning part of my career, I made a mistake rather than be in his, you know, final career. Right. I don't know. I just well, took then, a notice of that. Yeah, and then after that, it's the it's the the, the lady the lady heart thing mm-hmm. starts to unravel. Right. Well, first, Derek asks Meredith out. Oh yeah, because yeah. I because he wrote big chunks of carbs in a basket because I thought that was hilarious. That is hilarious. Um, because I do love a a big old carb in a basket. Um, so Derek and Meredith, he yes he had noticed that she wasn't as excited as he thought she should be after the heart surgery. So he's asking, "Are you fine? You don't seem fine." And then he's uh, trying to get her out to go out to dinner because he he knows about the party even though she didn't tell him, and it's kind of. The party's getting out of hand, as we can see. Very um, quickly. Meredith doesn't really know. She She's like, how do you know about the party? But she doesn't really know that it's um, a disaster <laughs> at this point. So, um, and, then, and then, yes, the heart situation is happening with Mrs. Preston. And things are going badly. They have to take her back into surgery. And Meredith the, makes a great decision to announce this mistake she's made in front of a lot of people, including the patient's husband. Yeah, real so, great decision. As I wrote, you said that in front of too many people. Because again, Way too many people. Not to say that you shouldn't be honest and forthright, but that truly could have had absolutely nothing to do with the issue. It could have been completely unrelated. And you've given this man, like you've given him a medical malpractice lawsuit on a silver platter. Oh, 100%. Like, <laughs> And they so, were taking they were taking her away. You yeah. could have just waited thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah. It's just so many options, but you know she hasn't slept in forty eight hours, so I guess she's just so sleepy. Yeah, and then so one of my my favorite Doctor Weber quotes so far is so he's he's leaving the room and he's like people poking holes in people's hearts and leaving towels in people's chests. <laughs> I wrote that like, same thing down. <laughs> I wrote ha 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 ha. It's not it's funny, so funny in reality, but it's funny in the show. No, but like, yeah, he's so yeah. he's the chief of surgery, right? Yes, correct. So like, everything falls on him. Yes, he's got to be like, what an incompetent bunch of assholes. Which, again, not not in the medical field. I don't know that the chief of surgery really does anything other than administrative stuff. So it's the fact that he's like doing a laparoscopic surgery on the lung of that old lady when she they find the towel. I'm like, would would the chief really be doing that? I don't know. Just just things I think about. Obviously, in the show, he's a great character, and I love him, and it's great to have him be involved in the plots. Um, I just think the reality of a chief of surgery probably wouldn't be doing surgeries like that. But I could be wrong. Again, if you're a chief of surgery, email us and let us know. <laughs> we would love yeah. to ask you many questions <laughs> about the reality of could- the show. We could find a couple. We should probably should interview some chiefs of surgeries. If you are a chief of surgery or know a chief of surgery, hit us up. Grayscademypod at gmail.com. Hey-o. Um, I okay, don't, so then, also after yeah, this, I, wrote that quote. I, I don't remember what 
happened, but I said, IDK, I like I like Dr. Handsome Face McDreamboat. So I don't know. Something about him. I, I, I think I like him. I think he's he's one of my favorite characters now on the show. Good. I don't remember what happened, but I just like him. <laughs> um so that well, maybe because he came to talk to her about the heart situation after she's on the phone, because I wrote so she's sitting there with George and Christina talking about how she's going to have to have the meeting with the chief or whatever in the morning. And then she has to go take the phone call from the, the home where her mom is. And I wrote, Oh my God, that cell phone. Cause I don't know if you saw it, but it's huge. Cause it was 2005. Huge. It is insane <laughs> how much in truly a relatively short period of time, cell phones and technology has changed. But, um, so she's taking that phone call. She's like planning everything out, um, ironing out the details, for the thing to sign in the evening with her mom. And Derek comes in at the end of that and says, I heard about the heart. And that's when they were talking and he kind of comforts her. So maybe that's when you were saying that you like Derek. Cause he comforts maybe. her, but he doesn't really like get too line crossy about it. He's truly just like, you know, things happen. You don't know, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. But I've decided that he is, I don't want to say for sure top five because there's only really like five characters in the right. show, but <laughs> It, depending on the episode, he is going back and forth. Definitely, either the one, two, or three slot for me. Good, good, good to know. Noted. Um, okay, so then we get to Christina sees something with Burke, and she's suspect. She's asking questions. She's kind of figuring things out. She doesn't know if he's like if they're doing a cover up. If there's going to be any kind of repercussion. She doesn't know. She's only seeing from the outside. Obviously, all she knows is she found the paper with his name on it. So, she's and when he's talking, you mean when he's talking to Burke and Bailey are talking in that side room? Yes. Because I think that's I the wrote, quote. Christina is suspect of Burke. Yeah. I, before my suspicions about them fucking were confirmed, <laughs> uh, I was nervous that he was just being nice to her because he screwed something up and right. like was trying to cover it up. Mm-hmm. So I was actually really sad for a second there. That's good. But uh, but when he gives her the coffee, it's before we know about the towels, before he even knows about the towel situation. So that was purely that motivated sense. by booty. My timeline was was out of whack for a brief second there. Though. It's hard when you watch them all. You know, it all gets jumbled up. Um, so Ellis, we're back at Ellis. We're trying to sign the papers. She is not lucid. And I think this is really where we've established that at this point, when she is not lucid, she is like back in her heyday as pro surgeon. That's where she goes to in her mind. So a lot of times uh, when you hear about Alzheimer's, you people, sometimes it's just a memory or a confusion. And sometimes it's, they're just completely living in a different time frame of their life. And with Ellis, that's really where it is. She's very grounded in this, this aspect of being a surgeon and, uh, all the surgery stuff that she remembers and she thinks everyone around her are other doctors or nurses or people she needs to be bossing around and doing surgical emergency surgeries for. So we kind of got the groundwork of that in a previous episode. And now I think that's really just supposed to be established. That's just what we're supposed to believe now. The first time we saw that was with nurse, nurse O'Fallon, nurse, nurse Fallon. Fallon. Yeah. And she's like, oh, how is she? Oh, blah, yeah. blah. It so, makes her right. Like she comes right to as soon as she says Elizabeth Fallon. And yeah. So. At, you know, it, that, that brings me a little bit of mental comfort, though, for mm-hmm. 
like I I don't know if Meredith sees it that way, but at least right. she's not like completely delirious. Like uh, how some like the ending of the Notebook, right? Yeah. Where she's like totally doesn't even know who he is, who Noah is anymore. Right. It's just hey, I'm back in this time period, so at mm-hmm. least she has some. I don't know. In she that has moment, a grounding. Yes. Time frame. She's not exactly. Again, she's not just confused. She's just not current. <laughs> that would give me some mental uh, comfort if ever if someone I knew with Alzheimer's wasn't just paranoid, like out of control. Right. They were grounded in something. I would feel right. good about it's that. nice that there's not a lot of confusion, but it is. Uh, I'm sure for Meredith, difficult as we again we don't know a whole lot yet about her childhood, but we do have some inklings to the fact that maybe Ellis wasn't terribly present because she was always doing surgery things and being a, a kick-ass surgery lady. So uh, it, it probably just depends person to person on, on where they fall within that memory, right? So she would have been a child in this time frame, and she's now right. an adult. So that's got to be... It's a transition for everybody. Yeah. Uh, and then I said, Bailey at the party, what a fancy lady. So we're at the party. Yeah. It's a time. Meredith's not there. George is freaking out as he is prone to do. Yeah. Uh, lots and lots of people. Lots of friends that we've never seen before and we'll probably never see again. I so. would be absolutely pissed. I'd be so yeah. pissed. But I did write that when Bailey came to the party, I said, for sure, she would do friendship shots with me. And then also, later, Meredith and Christina and George are all dancing on the table drinking tequila. Yeah. And I thought... They would for sure do friendship shots with me, but I'm not inviting George. That's that's fine. Um, okay, so she's a quick glimpse of the party, and then we're back at the hospital. Izzy's trying to leave. That guy is losing, freaking out because he doesn't want to go. He just wants more drugs. Um, and, and absolutely train wrecked, train wrecked that poor nurse. And they didn't even check on her. <laughs> yeah. That lady was dead, and they're like, they don't even know what happened to her. I never saw her again. They just yeah, he's like throwing people off. They're saying, "Okay, well, then it's called a psych ward," and that really sets him off. So then he just headfirst battle ramps into some piece of metal medical equipment, and that thing wins, and he goes down cold. No, so, he, he crashed into a person. I thought. No, he crashed into like a big like medical piece of equipment. Oh, I thought it was another. It was a I nurse. I mean, he's like fl- he like throws a nurse off of him at some point. It happened like, very flies quickly out of the frame. Um. But he smacks his head hard. They do uh, the the scans. There's a brain bleed and midline shift, which is insane. So that basically means he hit his head so hard that his brain shifted. The midline, that line that goes on the middle of your brain, is not in the middle of his head anymore. It's like to the side because that's how hard he hit his head. That is terrifying. Yeah, no thanks. Um, so they, they were doing the surgery to shift it back. And make the bleed stop. Yeah. And the bleed, I guess. The bleeding, the brain bleeding is bad, turns out. And I wrote, Alex is being okay, and Izzy definitely isn't going to that party. Yeah, I, I think I, where is it? Uh, I said, did Alex just briefly become a human mid-surgery with that story about his dad? Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we get a little bit back, a little bit of Alex's backstory. He doesn't go into it at length. He just says basically his dad was a junkie and because he was in the music industry, everyone just kind of accepted it because it's not terribly uncommon. Uh, doesn't really affect the musicians, but it's, he said, not great for the family at home. So Right. 
very minimal backstory, but enough for people to kind of, I think it's nice because it gives people information and he's kind of saying, you know, if I'm being like, if I'm taking this case personally, it's because it's personal to me, but he's not saying it to the point of like, Hey, leave me alone. Never talk to me. And like, it's just enough information to make people kind of understand, but not too much information where you're like, yikes. Yeah. And then he's trying to let Izzy go and go to yeah. the party. You that know? was so nice. I kept waiting for some jerk punchline at the end, and he just was being nice for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. I was also, uh, I think, uh, is, uh, no, hold on. I didn't write that note. I was about to jump into another note. But yeah, I, I, I was actually, it was, a, it was a tiny, tiny redeeming arc. I was glad to see it after the giant blow up that they had the episode Less. before. Yeah. So yeah. I hope that he finally respects her as a peer. Yes. Um, so w- let's flash back a second to to who Meredith arriving at her home, and there are just drunk <laughs> people stumbling everywhere. She's in her car. She says, "Izzy, I'm gonna kill you," which is fair. Izzy's again. Izzy's not even there, but I love the moment she walks in. Christina is so wasted, and she is dancing alone on a table, and she just goes, "Baby, you made it!" I just love that yeah. moment so much. It brings me such joy. And then I love drunk Christina. Meredith, I wrote Meredith that. Gets on the table and goes i made it and then starts downing tequila as though it is water yes that's my girl so yeah she's a tequila girl so that that is a through line in this show so you'll love that she has become my queen her and christina have both become my queens in this episode i love their relationship i love uh when the two of them and george were just sitting on the floor drunk playing cards i love that i think it's hilarious and the hockey guy comes up and Christina tries to hit on him, but is drunk. And then he does nothing. So she just goes, okay. And walks away. <laughs> George says, you and Izzy will have tall blonde babies like Barbies. I love it. Meredith is like, we're both mad at Izzy because she's not here. And I'm mad about it. And you're mad about it. And we can be mad together. I just think they play drunk very well. And it's humorous and uh, entertaining and just long enough. It doesn't get tiresome or anything, but it's nice. It's, uh, it's just a nice, funny moment. Yeah, it's it's going to be uh, very, very... I hope they get drunk again as the episodes go on because I yes. would watch an entire show just about the three of them drunk. Yeah, it was uh, it was a good time. I like it. I would love to also see drunk Izzy in, in the game. I'm sure that would also be amusing. So maybe one day we'll get that. Yes, and then, Izzy too. Uh, a hockey man shows up at the hospital. Izzy is there. And we have an awkward breakup. It's not really but like, a breakup, but is a breakup. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought like, they I'm going to go, break up. I'll call you. And I'm like, you're not going to call. Why are you but saying that? But then they that? kissed. And then no, they kissed. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. They, he does kiss her goodbye, but I guess he's just kissing her goodbye. Bye. End of relationship kiss. You know, like you do. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. That was very confusing. Because he's just saying kind of, you know, you're really busy, which is true. She is. And, you know, she has that whole thing going with her other patient throughout the episode where he's saying, oh, I was going to go to med school, but I couldn't balance it with with my family. And so I switched and now I do a medical research. And he's kind of saying the whole time, you're not going to get out of here on time. You can't have a life and be a doctor, blah, blah. And that's ultimately what happens. So. Well, it was very interesting, though, because. She's like, oh, well, you didn't have a problem coming to all those parties when I was a model. And he's like, well, you were you were at those parties. Yeah, like, I think she's definitely, if you, the way I 
watched it, I kind of thought she came into it really defensive and he's just saying things. He's not really being accusatory or having an attitude, but she's getting very defensive very quickly because she's had this guy in her ear all day telling her that she can't have both a life and a career. And then that's basically becoming her reality right in front of her. And so unbeknownst to Hank, who just rolled up, she's basically already had this conversation. And so she's getting very defensive right away. And so then, you know, it's not really an argument, but it's just not, not a, not a terribly productive conversation. Also being as someone who was in a long distance relationship, the last thing in the entire galaxy that I would want the first night of being in to visit my girlfriend would be to go to a party with all those people. I just want to, I would just want to be with, my yeah, girlfriend a alone. house full of drunk people that yeah. you don't know maybe on the second night but that first <laughs> night be alone be eating Enjoy food company be smushing right yeah. that's it reconnect yeah um we're gonna take a quick pause here for our favorite segment living in shondaland because living in shondaland thank you thank you okay so jonathan scarf or Scarfy, I don't know. It's uh, the guy who plays Izzy's boyfriend. Is Scarfe. also in an episode of Station 19. And Jeff Duquette, Doucette, uh, who is the man who went, the patient that went to med school but then wasn't a doctor. He is a big one. He has done two episodes of Grey's. So he's in another episode of Grey's later. He does done Station 19, How to Get Away with Murder, and Scandal. So like, the main ones. She does have a couple other ones, but he has not been in those. But those are like the very well-known big ones. So he is does, he is truly living in Shondaland. <laughs> Station 19, refresh my memory, does that cross over with Grey's Anatomy? Yep. So does he play a hockey player in that show? Nope. So he plays a completely different person? Yep. So he is doing the Chris Evans, Captain America, and Johnny Torch guy yep. in this world. Okay, there totally... Are- there are many, many people who do that because uh, private practice is the same thing where it's a spinoff and there's lots of crossovers and they use a lot of the same actors. And I'm like, you are really world busting here because that person died on this show and is super alive over here. <laughs> so I actually like that. That's kind of funny because um, they did that in an episode of Scrubs where Laverne dies, but she comes back as another nurse. So it was just funny. <laughs> they um, gave her the nickname Laverne again. It was <laughs> as if they were breaking their own fourth wall. Yeah. And then finally, Barry Henley, who is the husband of the hole in the heart lady was yeah. also in station 19. Okay. As a, as a Not, big role or just uh, one I think it was just, just one episode, one or two episodes. Um, so yes. can we talk about that guy for a second? Yes. Let's what, did, what, you know, I know that this whole thing and he's on the phone with his lawyer, but what a dick. Yeah, it's, again, we have to remember, it's easy to call names, but we have to, if your wife is laying, dying, you think dying inside of a hospital and you believe that the doctors solely are at fault, you're probably not going to be nice to the doctors either, especially if your lawyer said, don't talk to them or you'll lose this court case. I guess that's fair. Yeah. But, but- I, uh, yes, he's being unkind, but I can objectively understand why. I try to be kind to people even in situations like especially 
people who are working, like people you don't know, because you never really know what's going on. You never have the full story. But even if someone is mean, I try and be nice to them because I say, maybe if I'm nice to them, they won't be mean to the next person. <laughs> you never know. Maybe. Maybe. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, he's he's not being nice because he's thinks that Meredith has killed his wife. Which... But it's it's not just not being nice. It's borderline not giving a medical history to a doctor to where it could stop you from saving the life. But anyways, I digress. I'm confused as to how they didn't already know this. Truthfully, it seems kind of like bad doctoring to not know that this woman just lost 100 pounds. Yeah. If she was referred by another cardiologist, that cardiologist was probably with her through that weight loss. So why would that cardiologist not have it in their notes that they had lost 100 pounds in a year? Yeah, I don't Which know. Which is admirable. A lot of weight, weight loss, uh, if that's what you're working towards is is not an easy thing so it's it's that's that's admirable but you know like they say in the show that amount does take a toll on the body so it is important to know everything and make sure you know you're with the doctor know what's healthy and what you need to be doing exactly if you i guess if you lose 100 pounds in a year your heart muscle can deteriorate which is terrifying you would think it shouldn't be allowed to do that it should just work correctly Apparently, though. Apparently, Apparently. So, uh, what do you have next on your notes there? So, we're in the Dr. Weber's office with the legal team. So, we got Meredith Burke and some lawyers. The lawyer is not being nice. And it's the hospital lawyer. <laughs> and she's being super rude. <laughs> like This lawyer is just not nice. Uh, so, I don't know. She's just basically saying Meredith's at fault she said it she said it in front of the patient so now the patient's going to sue the whole hospital blah 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 everything and then dr burke does his i've made mistakes speech i love dr burke it's a great speech but i'm like so if this wasn't happening when would you have brought up the towel thing (laughs) right but if in a world where he doesn't bring up the towel thing, the lady never finds out. She comes, doesn't come back, and this all doesn't line up. And this, you know, it's but they a TV told show. the towel lady that they pulled the towel out of her when she woke up. Yeah, that's true. I just, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's a TV show. They they wrote it this way for the plot points to line up exactly. <laughs> but but does is there any consequence to Burke leaving that towel? And like, clearly, he feels guilty. That's important right. to note. He feels guilt he feels remorse he has learned from that um but yeah there's no consequence it seems that that we see there could be consequence we don't see as an audience so i assume there's not any (laughs) if you don't think there is and there for sure isn't if they don't say it then it just like if you don't show me fine but shouldn't you at least tell me but whatever so then we get sexual tension sexual tension between Christina and Burke and they're kissing and they're touching and they're taking off the pants and I love them so much. Uh, yeah, I said I was I was writing it so quick so it was going in and out of caps, but I said, yo, they're fucking damn shit. We wow 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 and then a lot of S's because I was missing the W. <laughs> um, but before that, Bailey found out that they that Meredith and, oh, and yes. handsome pants yeah, were wrote, in the car. Oh, Bailey yeah. knows. Yeah. And that, because they cross paths later on in the episode, too. Yeah. And he just looks at her, and she's just like, mm-mm-mm. But uh, yeah, that, was, so that was the end of we'll my see. notes. 
we'll see where that comes in later on. Um, and then, uh, then, then we get the, you know, they do quick shot of the Ellis being lucid and Meredith is now legally power of attorney. She's making all the decisions. So she has that responsibility as an adult now. And then, right. And then they're cleaning up the house because Izzy has destroyed it. Yeah. That's it. No, thank you. No. Yeah. <laughs> have you <laughs> no, ever, thanks. have you ever had to clean up a party like that before? No, because I've had parties like that, but I have considerate friends who help clean up. They don't really leave anything too shambly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would, I've never had to do that myself. I've never done anything like a dick move like that, but I've also, if I'm at a party that's like that, I'm like, eh, can I help? Can I do yeah, anything? Yeah. I'm like, I'll, if, I, if there's just trash sitting around, I'm like, I can at least throw this away. Like, it's fine. I'm like, maybe I'm not going to load your dishwasher, but I'll pick up some trash and throw it away for you. Yeah. 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 So, okay, so let's rate. Unless, do you have anything else you want to mention? I don't think so. I I don't think we missed anything. I think I got to everything that I wanted to say. Uh, I don't have a prediction right now because I'm just one. I just want to live in the moment. Right. Well, there wasn't any like wild cliffhangers in this one, anyways, other than the Christina and Burke situation. So smushing booties. Yeah, and Uh, I guess that's a cliffhanger, but not really. I. I don't know. I I just hope that she gets involved with George so that it can all be kosher. <laughs> like everyone's smushing everybody so that she has nothing to be mad at. Um, oh, so you want Bailey to sleep with George so that she yeah. isn't mad at other bosses for sleeping <laughs> yeah. with her? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, in all of these scenarios, I don't want Alex to have sex with anyone. Um, he just doesn't. He hasn't earned it. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, no. I'm gonna go at. Can I? Can we? Can we go over rankings for this episode? Yeah. I'm giving this a the, – the top one is attending, right? Yes. I'm giving this episode an attending. I'm very happy wow. with this episode. Yay, it's your first five out of five, your first attending. Yeah, but it was because the arc with Alex, we're starting to see yeah. him as a person. Uh, it was because Christina is finding some action, which she deserves, and Meredith and Burke, I think, have this, you know, different understanding. Um and also, I got to see everyone drink tequila, which is, you know, yeah. really great. I <laughs> love that. Um, I'm going to do um, a fellow and half an attending. So a four and a half out of five. And a fellow who's, again, almost just almost an attending, getting getting those job offers up. Because I do love it. But I don't know. I just, I don't know why. Because I was thinking about it. I was like, I love the character development. And I love the backstories that we get and the fleshing out of, of all the people that we're learning more about. Um, but I just... I don't think it's one of my favorites. I don't know why, because I do like a lot about it. But when I think about my favorite episodes, I don't really think this one ever comes to mind and jumps out at me as being one that I really want to watch all the time. So I do like it a lot, and I appreciate what it is in the story and how it is giving us so much more about our characters and then also so much more to to look forward to in it, it as well. So I do love it. I think it's really well done, and I'm excited for the next one. Yeah, me too. And... I almost watched the the next one. I almost watched oh, two in a row last night, sneaky, but sneaky. again, it's it's Netflix jumping right into it. Yeah, it is. But I didn't even look at the name. Like I was like, oh no, Good. where's the remote? And I just turned yeah. off the TV and I like threw it away. You know, like <laughs> I, get away I threw me. the television in the garbage. <laughs> don't don't ruin it. No spoilers. <laughs> Oh, um, goodness yeah. gracious. Yeah, this was a good one. My first five out of five episode. I have a feeling, though, as things get more and more intense, we're going to need to come up with either more levels or I'm going to need to shift my focus a little bit because yeah, I, there, I'm sure there's going to be more five out of five episodes for me. Yes, I think 
yeah, we'll have to, we're going we're gonna to brainstorm it. We're going to figure it out. I love um, it. But uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks again um, for the support up till now. Again, follow us on Instagram at Gray's Academy Pod. If you want to send us an email with suggestions or any, you know, if you want to correct, I'm sure we've said a thousand wrong things. So if you need to correct us on all of those, you can just send us an email and we'll for sure read all of those. Um, so and by we we mean Kelsey. Yeah, Kelsey will read them. I won't. Definitely care deeply about all of them. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I have I listened to our last episode and corrected myself on multiple things. So I understand if you're a major fan and I've already made you mad. I apologize. Um, I'm trying not to. So thank you so much for listening and watching with us, and we will see you next week. Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.